fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever wanted life manifest destiny. I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever wanted life manifest destiny. Damn, I destroyed myself, but you contributed. I destroyed myself, but you helped. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. Scott Miles on the intro there. Hello, buddy. I told I, I said out loud last time, I don't even think he listens to the show. We never got a response, so I guess I'm probably got <laughs> proven right on that one. Just shout it out every time. Hell tell yeah, you, I'll tell make you it, make it I mean, it's, it's okay. I never go to his open mic, so. Uh, you know, I guess live and let live, right? Jonathan Grissom, More Bands Media. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, this podcast is brought to y'all by More Bands Media and 13th Step Tone Solutions. That's me and Jonathan in here. Um, we have a couple of guys in from a band we saw open with uh, Elizabeth Turner premiere at the Blue Note. The the, the newly remodeled uh, Blue Note. They have really nice bathrooms. Huge upgrade. Yeah. yeah. I said the same thing about the Diamond Ballroom when they actually put stalls in. I was like, oh my God. I like it, but at the same time, I feel like a part of me, the punk rock mind of me, died a little bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the adult in me won. I'm like, I fucking love having a bathroom to actually go shit and piss in. That's <laughs> nice. A hole in the floor. <laughs> you can get the job done, but mm-hmm. I mean, comfort is all. You get older, you know, the ba- the bathroom gets hired on the responsibility list. So, <laughs> Lunar Division. We have Randy and Brandon in with us today. How you guys doing, man? We are good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Been fantastic. I mean, it's it's Friday, so Woo-hoo. you guys brought beer in, and I don't typically drink a lot anymore, but I have a shitload of weed. I know uh, y'all are not of the consuming types, and that's cool, but I'm glad y'all brought some beer for us to try out. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you for bringing that in. Uh, so... Uh, how how far back do we go here? How, uh, let's start with when you guys just started as musicians, as kids. Like, uh, how what was y'all's first introduction to uh, 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 music in general? Uh, like, my family was very they loved music. So, my earliest memories I remember like my mom listening to music like while she cleaned up on the weekend. So it was cool because she liked everything. So it might be like Jan Jackson, Guns and Roses, like Poison, you know, Public Enemy. So Man. I had a lot of different kind of influences and i live with my grandma and she loved blues so i got all that too um but i didn't actually start playing music until like way late in life like i love listening to music but i didn't start playing like i started out on bass i didn't start playing until probably like high school senior year and that was just me like getting tabs off the internet and trying (laughs) to like play along to some songs i liked or whatever uh but uh so i played bass and i got a couple bands while i was in college and uh, didn't start playing drums until we started this band. So I've only been doing drums for like just two, three years. years. Yeah. yeah, man. Just because drummers are so hard to find. Well, drummers <laughs> that are dedicated to yeah. one band are hard to find. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> so I was like, well, I mean, we can't find one, so I'm just gonna, I'm just learning. So so far, knock on wood, it's working out so far. So amazing, <laughs> awesome, amazing. man. Uh, what about you, man? Well, uh, kind of similar ish story i started playing guitar i got an acoustic guitar for my 16th uh christmas i was 16 that christmas i asked for a guitar an acoustic guitar and uh my mom was very sweet and bought me a kind of cheap 
Takamine. Uh, yeah, oh, Takamine. Yeah, classic. <laughs> and uh, you know, I beat I beat I beat that thing up for a while. The first time I ever played publicly was uh, I went to Choctaw High School. We had this oh, thing every year called Mister Choctaw, and there it was kind of like a joke talent show kind of uh, pageant thing. Uh, but there was, you know, a legit, like a talent portion. You could either do like, uh, you could do something stupid or you could do a real talent. The guys that did the real talents usually won. So I was like, I should probably do the real talent. <laughs> Put some effort into this. Put thing. some effort. In, Cause the, the year before I did like stand up comedy. And that was like, you know, it was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> so the first time I ever played was in front of like, you know, a couple hundred people at this Mr. Choctaw. And I practiced, I felt like I practiced for a year to play this song, Wild Horses. The, the, the stone song oh, yeah. and uh it was I, I remember it super super clearly um and i was scared shitless completely scared <laughs> out of my mind and so i just kept the guitar around for several years after that and sort of learned a few songs but then i was around it was 26 and this is around the time brandon and i met was i got recruited by this a buddy of mine to play in a band called the clark Kent party and uh it was just like a three-piece like you know, punk, uh, alternative rock band type thing. And I was just playing, you know, I learned to play electric guitar and I didn't have, I had no idea what I was doing at all, but it was a lot of fun. It kind of introduced me and it really influenced my, uh, musical taste a lot. Cause I grew up listening to like nineties rock pretty much, yeah. you know, which you, if you listen to our music, you can tell like that's a heavy influence. Uh, but this kind of brought me like more into like the music scene and I met a lot of great musicians, a lot of friends that I still keep in touch with today, including Brandon, who played with Hundred Somethings. Yeah, that was a that was a, a, a an amazing band, and like their drummer is now like the drummer for the Flaming Lips, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know shout it's Matt. <laughs> Matt. Shout out to Matt, and uh, so we met there, and um, and then you know that band actually here in Norman we broke up on stage in the oh. middle of a Oh, those set. are always those are always good. That's why I think that's for the one of the reasons people actually go to local music <laughs> shows is because you might see something like might that see happen. some shit go down. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It did. It did. I was there. It went down. <laughs> and actually it's like a really, really fond memory of mine, you know, that, that night. Um so, so you know, a little oh, bit of drama. Was that drama like the roots of where this band kinda got going? Like just the frustration of a sh- of a goddamn shit band. I'm just gonna start one with my friends. Uh, yes. So we we at that point I resolved to if I was gonna be in a band I was gonna have a little more control over you know like what's what have you know the dynamics of the band right because I kind of got swept up in the interpersonal drama of the band but you know I but I, the, every, I still love everybody that was in that band and and so that trauma brought Brandon and I together. <laughs> And we have <laughs> been together ever yeah. since. So many years later, I wanted to start a '90s rock cover band. Uh, so we, I started one, and I, I remember playing shows with the Hunter Somethings, and uh, and I, so I recruited Brandon to come play bass for that band. It was called the Bill Clinton Administration, and we had a couple of really successful shows and everything. And then you know things, you know, life caused that band to kind of float away, and then. A year or two later, Brandon contacted me and I was like, hey, I'm going to learn drums and I want you to be in this band with me. And so we kind of, that's how we came together. So what are we talking here about, 2018 or so? Yeah. Okay. So 
Oh man, that was right before right before the shit went down with COVID. Mm-hmm. We did one show, like our very first show, and then I think COVID hit, oh. and then so we just kind of stopped. We did <laughs> we did play one show in full masks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, which Bluto. was not very fun. The old Bluto, the old, the old Bluto. Bluto. Yeah, yep. It's funny you have to specify. You really, you really do. Like, yeah. it, so much changed in the course of that, man. And like that's we got this thing going. Right on, right as everything shut down, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons we started this show. Was like, well, maybe we can just bring musicians to us and get it out because people are listening right now. It's yeah. like they can't go to shows. Um, worked for the, about the first year, and now we both talked about it. Like, man, when the things open up, we are going to have a hard time. And sure enough, it happened. And when it did, we we had a few episodes where it's like, shit. It, it wasn't even that we got ghosted. It was just like everybody's working. I like, I can't. I can't be mad. I mean, that's what we want for our friends, you know, to be able to have a gig and, and go do the thing. But it's kind of peaked. The bell curve was hit, and now it's kind of kind of evening back out now, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, We're learning to live with it. Yeah. I, I was I was really surprised to see you guys at uh, – because Elizabeth's who got us out at, out at the Blue Note. So when – I just like the name Lunar Division. I was like, all right, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go up there early and check them out. I'm glad I did. Um, so – what would you use to describe uh, to people out there listening, like if they were to come see you? Like, what would you, if, if you were working in a record score, store and you had to chart your own album in the CD racks, where where would you think you'd put it at? Like, rock, like alternative rock, like, I guess that's real general, but I feel like, you know, if you like 90s rock, you like grunge, I would say grunge, more grunge rock. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's give them a listen. We'll, we'll try one of your songs on and let the people, uh, We'll break it down after we cool. after we play it. How about that? Which one do you guys want to play? What do y'all want? Well, if, if y'all are to introduce me, get it down first. Yeah, okay. get it down. Get it down.
Get It Down from Lunar Division, guys. That was a good song. So tell us how that one kind of came together. I, I was like, we were talking during the <laughs> during it. It was like, I, I hear a lot of influences there. Um, definitely 90s, yeah. but I'd go back to the 80s on the on the melody there a little bit. Hey, I'll take it. Uh, it was just kind of like we were writing for the album, and we just kind of, you know, every album needs that kind of like, like rocking, kind of simple. But, He's a rager, man. Yeah. He's a rager. And so we came up with that little riff. And just kind of took off from there, but I was like, hey, we need to have you know one like real rocking song, you know. So that's how that kind yeah, of came about. It kind of it was kind of one of the last songs to really come together actually on the album, um, which is called Phantom. Uh, very proud of it. But it is like this is one of the songs that's like I mean I was frankly lagging behind in writing the lyrics for it, and uh, but we had kind of like the main riff, and we knew that we wanted to do like a breakdown part that is that kind of brought the uh, like a like a real quiet but crunchy kind of oh I like that uh, bass yeah, yeah yeah that bass sound yeah. in it into it and uh, I like a build up back into the 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 final chorus and so but I also wanted to do something different in terms of like the cadence of the vocals too so that's why you'll see you'll hear some like um, a different kind of melody sound and also you'll hear some like faster parts. Um, that we usually sing kind of a, in a more slow, deliberate kind of way, but this was more like up tempo. Like everything about the song was up tempo until that beat. that oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. that breakdown hits. Yeah. And uh, that I think we and I look as soon as we recorded it and got it together and everything, we just we were so happy with it. We're like we, it was going to be like track seven. Yeah, we we're like let's move this up to like track three or four, something like that, because we were really happy with how it turned out. Well, I'm kind of curious too. Uh, this is something we talk about on here often: is how bands approach it from a business point of view. Um, I'll just take the time here to shout out Sativa Profits uh, and them evils. Uh, but uh, the main ones we've seen of like, how are you guys approaching this as a business? Um, two different examples: uh, our friends and them evils have since COVID, especially, have kind of backed off the album cycle, the traditional album cycle. And have done singles, and they're like, we're gonna. Our idea is we release singles at different points in the year, and then at the end of the year, before we close the year out, we release it as an EP, and we tour that because they're not a they're not a headliner yet. But man, they're so fucking good. It's like, don't quit, yeah. man. You're right there. Please <laughs> yeah. don't quit. And uh, like Sativa Profits, <clears throat> shout out to those guys for having us out last weekend. Holy crap, those are fun guys. Um, they're Oklahoma City. They're local, and it, it they're like a conglomerate of individual artists but they're also a legitimate band yeah. together yeah so their thing is the live they're just hitting that live thing constantly man and they put on a hell yeah. of a good show oh, yeah. if you guys get the opportunity out there go see them oh, yeah I've seen if them you a get an opportunity times. to go to an event at a dispensary that has vendors you should do that i'm just saying <laughs> it's uh there's a lot of lot of uh, free gifts that they give you at those events, so uh, it's a good time. Yeah, cosign. <laughs> They're actually here on time today. It's the beauty of dynamic mics, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, shout out to those guys. But I'm curious um, between those two, like you have one band there. They're kind of focused on putting out stuff, like kind of that they're kind of blurring the traditional path with the, this new thing and then you have another band over here that's focused on the live aspect um where do you guys kind of fall on that as far as tra you know your business trajectory of this thing like how's that gonna look well like we recorded an ep like during covid and you, we couldn't really play shows on it 
So we just kind of, we sat on it for a while. We didn't really, we kind of didn't know what to do. We were like, should we wait until... Is that kind of like, uh, like uh, we talked to some comics too. Is that kind of like a comic not being able to work out the bit? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you feel good about it because you wrote it, but at the same time, you haven't seen a crowd response. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we just kind of sat on it and we kept waiting. And then we were like, you know, just let's release it. So we released it at the beginning of the year. We didn't play any shows probably until... 2021, like March. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so we, I mean, I had the thought of doing singles like that because, you know, they always say nowadays, like people just want things like quick and fast, like you pump the singles out, keep Mm -hmm. their attention. You know, people are saying like albums are dying, like people just want to get that one song and, you know, but we kind of go against that. We, we like making albums, so we'll probably keep doing that. But I mean. The live show is very important aspect too, because, like you said, that's where you that's where see how it's connecting, road, if it's connecting, yeah, you yeah. know. So, uh, with this new album, we've been playing you know, a few shows, and it's getting. We can tell like it's connecting. The shows are getting a little bit bigger, where people are coming out, they're getting more opportunities to do stuff. So that's been nice, but. You know, like business aspect, like we we're proud, like we got an LLC. We we're like, oh, we yeah, yeah. We're, on, we're on the way. And I'll never pay taxes again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going through the starting process of the 13th step, and I talk to a CP. I'm at the point I get to go talk to a professional because it's out of my league. And she says, well, this isn't exactly the how you should view your life, but this is how you should start kind of thinking about your life is that business owners don't pay taxes. They collect taxes. And she's like, it's not exactly that way, but you have to start viewing your day to day like that. I haven't got there yet, <laughs> yeah. but I, I'm trying to tell myself that Yeah, so I, I get in that mindset. And I was watching this guy um, the other night um, on YouTube that talks about like the business side of music and, and he's talking about the, um, business setup and like uh, doing business as versus like an LLC. So like the idea is when you first start, um, you take all your merch, right? And you just start a division of your of your business that's called Loan merchandise. Division. Like yeah, just mer- merchandise, right? Subsidiaries. Yeah, but like right. um, doing business as, and then you're like, okay, we're doing business as as Lunar Division LLC. And then you say um, Lunar Division, you Arts. know, our, our LD merch. That becomes a separate business, right? But you set it up as a doing business as, and then over time, whenever you grow, then you turn that into an LLC. And then you make every single one of them an LLC. So then you actually have like this huge conglomerate business, and and under it is its own little thing. But the thing is, if one portion of that that tree breaks – or that vine breaks, then you don't lose your entire business, right? right. And that's the whole point. It's about protecting your your assets and that, that moving your assets around in a way that you can make them pay each other. So you can make a finance department, make it pay everyone else, and move the money around. But like you have to, like that's what these big corporations do. They set up an incorp and then they set up a shit ton of LLCs, and that's how they run. Everything and, feeds each other, but everything is walled off from each other. So it's fucking cool. That how was it pretty all cool. Comes out to, yeah, when it, and, when and, it comes, it all comes out in the wash. I'm getting what my CPA was telling me. It's yeah. very difficult because, like I, I did work where like clock in and you go do service orders and that's your day. So it's like changing your mindset. Is very difficult, but when she said that to me, man, something clicked. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get it. I don't understand how to apply it, <laughs> right? But I get it. I get it. Okay, so. so Brandon, it would be like Lunar Division merchandise, a subsidiary of Lunar Division 
incorporated Promotions. a division of lunar yeah. division yeah uh, okay. yeah yeah okay. yeah okay that's yeah. why and that's you... what you do you just set it up like that so then as it grows and i can even send you the videos like on youtube and oh, do yeah, that, that guy that'd be awesome uh, but uh, but also uh we always mention um on here um uh, music industry connected mic baby uh yeah um this girl malaise uh she she basically navigated the music industry early on and she learned she learned all the stuff that she had to do as an artist to become you know bigger, and so she put together this group and this company basically that advises artists. And in it, she gave away on her website a free documentation. It's like a like a like a PDF style like there, but it's in web form, so you just go through the web pages. But it says start here, and it's like you're at the bottom of the mountain. They call it the mountain, and they go they go. What do you need to do now? And it's like go to your publishers. Go here. Do this. Go to this website. File this. File that. And it just goes through every step you need to take as an artist. So then whenever you get done with this mountain, you're ready to take on the industry, and you're not going to lose money because uh, mm. the big part of um, publishing is that these big um, – like uh, Spotify and like all these different companies, they they – Collect money from end users through through like your your memberships and stuff, and then that money gets transferred to like pools of money. And whenever that like particular artist goes to collect, if they don't have the proper licensing on their stuff, then that money just sits there until they file the right paperwork to get that money. And if they don't do it fast enough, then what they do is they take that money, they transfer it to all the big record companies and all the big artists, what? and that's how they stay. And that's how they all stay wealthy. Well, that's, that's exactly mean, how all the big crazy. artists are making money. Okay, that's crazy. So it's, it's publishing and, and licensing your music is extremely important. Like, uh, extremely important. Shout out to Malays. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll send you her information too. I don't know if she's a lawyer or a, a publicist, industry exec. She certainly talks very, very smart. So no matter what she does, she's she's got it figured out to where this ain't rock star shit. This is like how you run an actual right. business, how you pay your bills by doing your passion projects. Like this is what it's about. Like this is not gonna be. It. I'm not saying people don't out there don't follow this won't become millionaires and <laughs> right. independently wealthy and all that. But this is geared more towards people that want to make a living playing music mm-hmm. and being able to support yourself with that. And that's her chart. And she's fucking smart. She's open to answer questions and everything. So I'll send you guys her info. I mean, and I I'll, even, I'll even let her know that if, if you yeah. guys reach out, man, definitely. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a shame that you have to be, you know, you have to be basically have a lawyer's mind or a, a CPA's mind to understand how not to get completely screwed over when, in this uh, industry. When I, yeah. uh, when, I, when I had the idea to start more bands back in like 2006, which means – and I lost about 10, 10 years with college and the military. Uh, but um, yeah, I went to business school because of this. Like I literally went to business school to learn entrepreneurial classes and learn how to run this the right way and do it the right way whenever I set it all up. And that, that – you have to have that mindset. And the sad part is a lot of artists – I mean, I guess it's not sad if you're just like a fun party band and you just want to go to bars and just party. That's fine. You know, you, you, you do it for three years. You call it good. You never you never talk to that band members again, whatever, you know, you, whatever falling out you guys have. But if you want to grow it as like a lifestyle and a business, then that's that's what it is nowadays. And um, and like we were saying about the whole like how people release music, there's even rules on that now. Like like uh, Spotify and other other apps will, will actually like – Make it where there's release dates and release times, and if you don't release your music, then it doesn't get up put on their list, and it doesn't hit their list. And then, and then, what's crazy about it? If you release a whole album, 
they won't approve you to release music on their on their list because there's too many songs to pick from you have to pick and choose which ones but they don't allow you to do that you have to it goes by what you released and so there's just a lot of rules to that too and and there's entire youtube videos about guys just talking about just spotify and how to beat their algorithm and it's it's hard to do that stuff and I mean, and then I was like, I was like watching Elita's Way on a podcast, um, Tim Pool, and uh, they were talking about how the industry is like controlled, where the managers would tell them, "Oh, yeah, you're going to do this read about this thing going on overseas," and uh, and the artists would be like, "Well, I don't really agree with it," and they're like, "Yeah, well, you're going to do it." And so, they, and so they said no, yeah. and then suddenly their variety dropped, and like they've they've taken huge hits Damn. for not for not for not biting into the system of like what the industry wants them to do, but involving anything, you know. I, so I, I, I'll I'll devil's advocate here. I'll counter that with a guy named Chris Stapleton, where ultimately he went into it with no expectations, but he had fucking great songs, and at the end of the day. That's what put asses in seats. And he gets mm-hmm. to make his own fucking rules. Mm-hmm. You know? Or, well, I mean, at, at least observationally. To an extent. To an yeah. extent. I mean, uh, I, I, I would say that, and after talking to Malays too, it's like the, the biggest thing is when you approach the, the next level, there's always a next level. So whether you're local, intermediate, uh, featuring, headlining, whatever level you're at the the jump to that next level is basically an exchange of people that are already there are going to tell you this is what I offer and your counter offer is based on how well you've covered your shit at the level you're at so if it, like an a uh, thing like an EPK she brought up electronic press kits like when you're ready to make that jump if you don't have your shit together on the EPKs that's when they'll start knocking back a little thing. Oh, you're not prepared there. So then they take off another 20% of the deal. Hmm. Well, we'll take that. You know, this, that. It's, it's a game of removal. You know, it's always the dream. They offer you the dream, but when it comes to the negotiation table, that's where things start to get pulled back. It's like blackjack, mm-hmm. three card money. Like, where'd my money go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Brandon is our kind of, I mean, he's kind of the leader of the band. Like, he's, and he's also like, been on top of the business side of the band uh, in ways that I never anticipated, you know, we, we would have like some establishing an LLC. I mean, I would, I wouldn't be able to take the initiative to to do that because I don't know to do that. And Brandon has been kind of uh, spearheading, you know, the, Hey, the legit, let's be legit. Let's get legit. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's to have somebody in the band that has that mindset and the initiative and the drive and the motivation to do that is is to me like extremely valuable because I mean I'm frankly I'm coming up short in that in that domain for I'm, sure I'm in the middle of learning it all man it's it's but I mean an LLC for a rock and roll band is extremely important because it separates your business from your individual member's property. You know? mm-hmm. If you get in a shitty fucking deal, there ain't no telling how far they yeah. they could go and take right. all your shit. You know, we've all heard the horse yes, stories. Yes, exactly. You know, we've all heard them. Uh, yeah. dude, I ended up all strung out and lost my house and cars and everything. How? You're, uh, after going through my LLC process, I'm like, that can't happen. But if you're a young, dumb bull cum or whatever, like <laughs> it can. Yeah. They can. They can get you to sign a piece of paper, and if your shit's not backed up, it can go south pretty quick. So, um, yeah, um, I would def- I'll, I'll definitely send you guys Malays. Shout out to her and the MIC if you guys are interested. Yeah, uh, definitely. It sounds like awesome. you guys are 
I mean, if you already got an LLC set up, you know, you're already halfway up the mountain the way that she charts it. That's the halfway point is starting an well, LLC. Let's keep going up the mountain. Then. Separating your assets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's do another song, man. What do you think? What do we got? What's the next one? Engine. Engine. Right? Engine. All right, let's hear it.
I dig it. Uh, bigger chorus on that one. So uh, tell us a little bit how that one came together. This is all. Oh my god! This, this is Randy's baby. This is all right, story. Let's, hear it. let's hear it. Let's do this, man. <laughs> uh, before I tell it that, uh, I mean this this album like has we 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 wrote a lot of these songs in kind of different ways. Some of our songs we write together as a group. Kind of everything comes together as a group. We're jamming. Somebody finds a riff or Brandon finds a beat and we jam to that. And then I find some melody and sing some bullshit over that. And that becomes a song that sometimes that happens this time around. We have, have a couple, I call them songwriter songs where somebody wrote the entire thing. Like basically here's how the song goes. Here's the melody to it. Here's the guitar parts. Here's you know the bass, everything. Of course, I don't know drums, so I have to put in an electronic drummer <laughs> if I'm going to make a demo. Um, so this song, uh, this is, I mean, an extremely personal, personal, personal song to me. Uh, July 4th last year, I was uh, actually here in Norman with Brandon and a bunch of our friends, everybody from the band, uh, chilling in the pool. Uh, and we were, you know, fixing to get, you know, watch some fireworks or something or just drink beer and hang out. And so I sat down, I get out of the pool, grab some ribs and sit down and I look at my phone and I've got six missed calls from my sisters. And so I'm like, God, what's this going to be? Um, uh, and so I call my older sister, um, and she tells me that my dad is uh, in the hospital uh, and he's in the hospital in Carson City, Nevada, because he had taken a road trip in an RV with his girlfriend to go see all the uh, sites, right. you know, to see the parks and everything like that. And, uh, you know, that became the month of hell uh, after that. Uh, so, you know, I have uh, four siblings and we were all flying back and forth to Carson City to be with him in the ICU. What had happened was that he had gone to the hospital uh, and with what he thought was a uh, gallbladder. They took him into the cath lab because, you know, he's a two-pack-a-day, two-six-pack-a-day smoker-drinker and said, dude, your heart, you, we need to check your heart. So they yeah. take him to the cath lab and he has a heart attack in the, in the cath lab. So if you're going to have a heart attack, have it in the I, hospital. I mean, you're right, right? on site, you know. Uh, <laughs> So it's a quick walk down to the ICU. So uh, so that's where he was, and that's what the call was about. And uh, I, f- I flew out within an hour and a half of getting out of there and getting over to with family, and I booked a flight right that right then to go to Carson City. And you know, it's a, a the the story that follows from that is you know how do we get him back home. And so we had, we arranged the meta flight and, you know, and he lost his mind in the ICU and we got him back, flown back here to Oklahoma and to Tulsa, actually, uh, to a long-term nursing facility. And he died two days later. Oh man. So I can see where the song, uh, if this lyrics are pulled from that, it's probably, uh, yeah, yeah. it's drawn from that experience, <clears throat> things that happen, things that actually, you know, happened to us um feelings and but you know it's uh but it's it's hopeful you know i mean i you my dad is somebody really special to all of us you got to be somebody to have your kids flying across the country to be with you every day in the icu uh so you know that's uh the story of that song and so like 
and I wanted to write something about that, but I didn't know, like, I thought it would be, you know, is this going to be um, in bad taste? But, I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it makes me feel like I've codified something about that experience and written something extremely personal to myself. Uh, and it wrote it for me and my siblings, you know, and uh, we all kind of felt the same way about that experience. Was and, it, uh, sorry to interrupt, no, go ahead. Um, was it a cathartic exercise or was it a concern this might be too heavy for an audience? I've, I've been in writing rooms where it's about a loss of a, yeah. a heavy subject for that matter. Yeah. Well, uh, it was extremely cathartic well, that's, to write the song. That's good. I mean, yeah. That's, and I didn't really, I mean, people can listen to the song and, and, and interpret it however they want. You know, that's what the, that's what I was thinking about when I wrote the song. But it can be, you know, I believe that it belongs to whoever listens to it. So it has an upbeat, yeah. Initially hearing it, and that's that's yeah. those are usually the songs that throw people off. Yeah, you know? like the police, they have a the, the "I'll Be Watching You" song. It's nice and mellow, but when you hear the lyrics, you're like Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're you know, yeah. It kind of has an off, kind of has an off note to it. Uh, you know, it kind of has a, it's it's. Um, it, the 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 solo in the song kind of tells a story it kind of you know i just i i really like it and believe in it um of course it's very you know heavily melodically inspired by you know other songs i grew up with and everything like that but um it's just straight from me you know okay um, here's and, a personal question sure um how do you play that song live without cracking cuz i played <laughs> mo- songs that live that are very very personal to me because they were played at the event of mm-hmm. the burial or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like something like this is even the next level to that. Cause you actually, you created the song. So mm-hmm. does, do you just go, do you work yourself in a different headspace to perform it? Or is it just like, yeah, whatever comes out, comes out. If I break down, I break down. If I don't, I don't like, let's just let this thing happen. That's such a great question. I actually, well, I'm a performer and it's happened to me. So I'm yeah. curious, how do you do this? Because I want to know. So <laughs> I will say with this particular song with Engine, I don't, I, I, um, it's like retelling a story that you find really compelling, but it's not, I, I don't get emotionally wrapped up in this song where I do actually get emotional is in our other song on the album that is, that we wrote that Brandon actually wrote the lyrics to it. It's called dead to live. And it's a slower, more, very much more emotional song than engine is. Engine is kind of a cry from the mountaintop to me. It has a upbeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's upbeat tempo. And dead to live is a soulful, emotional story about a life that you've lived, you know, without your father around. And, and, uh, that song is another example of a, it's kind of a hybrid. Brandon wrote the lyrics to it. I wrote the music to it. It's a slower song than we've ever made before, but it's when I was in the recording booth, um, singing the song, I, I, that I, I have rarely had a more emotional experience than singing that song, like putting this song down, you know, forever like this is the this is how this song is going to sound to everybody but like i fully even more or maybe as much or even more believe in dead to live like that is to me a song that i can lose it a little bit singing because it is extremely personal and i know where it comes from and that is and it's more of a elegy really 
for uh, a life that you didn't get to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is more uh, a more emotional song than, than even engine is, which I wrote about something I experienced. Um, yeah. I mean, that song means just as much to me as engine does really just because Brandon is like, I mean, this is my brother that I got to know more than, you know, I, we are intimately connected creatively and he you know will bear his soul in this song and i will i will convey it and that's uh powerful well you guys uh sound like you're on the right track i don't know how much i can help you because if you're in that that's the headspace you're in that's what it takes to be a band yeah so that that's perfect that deep connection that we have you know that I wouldn't trade anything for. This is this is a somebody that I would you know go to the gates of hell with right here. <laughs> hey, that's well, you might end up there. You, you know, might just, end up there I mean, being in a rock and roll band. <laughs> <laughs> awesome guys. So where do we go from here, man? I mean, what do we got planned for the future? I know you guys said you kind of you kind of backed off booking right now. Are you guys uh, in the studio working or writing songs? Or are you at the table? Well, yeah, we're still trying to get shows. We like to try to get out like out of Oklahoma City more. Like maybe try to do like Norman Tulsa. Tulsa, uh, I know a guy in Tulsa. Might like to have you. His mm-hmm. name's Carter. Okay. Yeah, we had him on last week. Check out that episode. It drops Tuesday. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, he's had well. Uh, Shout out to that guy, but uh, you might keep your eyes open for a, a band called Studio House Project. Uh, they're kind of like, uh, as far as like their setup, they're kind of like the Sativa Prophets. Like they're a conglomerate of individual artists, but they also are a band. And I guess they're kind of a promotions production yeah, type like a thing. recording. Um, Studio house recordings, yeah, and he's, records. He's and, got a lot of exciting things. Yeah, happening he's there, uh, he's doing a festival, uh, Fur Fest, Fur Fest, and it's gonna be in October. I have to pull those dates again, but yeah, Fur Fest, uh, October eight. Yeah. Is uh, it eight? Yeah, it's the OU game. OU. Shit, I didn't write damn it down. It. God damn That's it! That's the Texas game, dude. <laughs> but they're having they're having a they're having a big watch party. It's this okay. huge huge all day oh, wow. thing. They're doing the watch party for the game, merch, sponsors, and they're having a live music thing with more sponsors, cannabis companies, clothing company, cool. you name yeah, it, and brewing, what, you name uh, it. It's a big what event. I what I liked about that event is that he said that he went to all the sponsors and he said, you know, to be a sponsor on this show, just know that the majority of the money is going to go to the artist and. They all agreed, awesome. and that's and that's what we want. We we want to move to that yeah. that way where artists are actually getting paid for their time. Mm-hmm. So. We're broke as shit, so we couldn't sponsor <laughs> this year. Hopefully, next year, if it becomes an annual thing, we would love to help him out because that dude, his head, his head and heart is in the right spot. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, that's good to hear. Awesome. So, what do you guys? What do you guys? Uh, where where <laughs> we go? I know you guys said you're looking for booking. Maybe we can get that out there. But is there any uh, things at the writing table you guys might be trying to develop? Yeah, we're working on some. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're working. We're working. I gotta, uh, pry, I gotta pry a <laughs> yeah. little bit, man. I'm a musician. I gotta ask, you know. Oh um, shit. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, I'm definitely. I, I want to. Th- uh, the goal is we move forward in our uh, as artists. Every time, you know, every time we've recorded a new work, we've stepped up our our game and gotten more in touch with ourselves in terms of what we want to accomplish musically. So this is going to be, I mean, that's, we have to do that in the next one too. Very cool. Shout out to Gilson. Shout out to Gilson. 33rd street studios. If you guys need to record super, super good, super good facility. He's super nice. He gets everything out of you. Yeah. 
Oh, I love Gilson. He's just, he's such a great guy to work with. And you know, one thing that I could say we learned from previous recording experiences was be prepared as prepared as you possibly can, having written all your music to in the poss- the greatest possible extent you can. Because then in the recording studio, if you have somebody like Gilson, who you brought everything that you can to the table with, he might he'll hear things that will just put that little extra velvet layer on top of it of just beautiful color that he'll add to it. That'll just make it really make you really excited about what you're doing. So yeah, I love Gilson. That's, that's a good studio guy to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best studio gigs I ever had. Uh, Cause I was totally uninterested in being in a band, but I was like, I'm still a decent guitar player. I can cut some licks. I worked with a guy and I, he was like, all right, he plugged me in and I went into the booth and did my thing. And he goes, that's great, man. He clapped in the mic, make sure I heard it. And he goes, guess what? I'm like, what? I can't use any of it. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. And he gave me the rundown, man. This is how we record. This is the laws. This is the rules. This is what I want. And that was, it was his world. Like, and yeah, that's part of being a good musician too, is being able to produce what people want to hear. Exactly. And then also the good businessman part of you that says, I'll do it three ways your way, but let me cut the rug one time and mm-hmm. just go crazy. Give me one, just give me one. And if you can do that, you can give them three of what they want. They'll usually let you do a freehand one. Yes, on the on the house. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh man. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in, man. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, shout out to Anthem and Stone Cloud Brewing. Thank you for bringing these in. Oh, cool. Fantastic beers, y'all. Uh, I don't remember what the other one was. I already threw it away. But the one for Stone Cloud, Golden was, One. Oh, the Golden One outstanding and the neon sunshine i think if i had to pick <clears throat> i actually like this one more mm-hmm. i do a good choice I we have a song named after that beer <laughs> awesome man well the sativa prophets had one named after a strain anadarko farms what was the name of the strain uh it's like uh something something woman some woman uh you were fucking you were time traveling on the couch during their show. Uh, dude, <laughs> this motherfucker dude i gave him an edible to start off and he's like all right because we were there for like fucking six hours it was all it was a big event you know? yeah so like i'll be good i'll be good to drive you know and then i could tell when it hit him because we were outside on the patio and then i was like watching whatever was going on i turned around and he was like he's gone I'm like <laughs> all right whatever and then i saw jd our friend JD. Oh, dude, JD was walking around. Oh, my buddy JD, he's my uh, he's the photographer for uh, for more bands. Um, he goes to those shows and shoots like the bands and stuff. You guys might have came in contact with him at some point, uh, but uh, but he uh, he comes up to me and he said, "Hey, man, um, I was going to shoot some stuff for you, but uh, I'm I, I I went over there and I and I took this drink and um, I don't know what's going on." And I and I go and I was like, "Dude." Dude, you're good. That's man. all right. You're Don't good, worry man. about it. I, I, I was like, you get, you're, you're good. Take the night off, man. Enjoy it. And he goes, he goes, well, I mean, you guys took me to a marijuana event. Why would you guys take me to a marijuana event and not expect me to, like, you know, partake? And I was like, I, expected I expected it. you to. <laughs> I expected you to. I didn't, you know, like, that I'm, was, like, that was, I told really... you free reigns. Take pictures of what you want. I don't, like, I don't control people like the, that. That was the beauty so. of that event, was it was brand new for us. So, uh, so the, the Steve Prophets, Huckwheat, uh, uh, Cage, and Greg the Stallion were the main ones we talked to. And uh, he was like, so what do y'all want to do? And we're like, 
I have no idea. You guys asked us. Like, I, I don't know what to do. So we, we, we did learn a lesson, though. And, I mean, it, we probably should have learned the lesson when we did the uh, the show at um, Blue Note. But we recorded that show. I, I, I had my buddy hook into the mixer and the PA. Oh, so, like, I had the whole nice. – like, the whole bonus episode has the recording of the entire episode. We should do that. Note. It's awesome. Yeah, can you can have them record it, and then you can have a live feed of your episode. We should your, do that. Oh, we thing. can do that. We can um, do that. Yeah. We've and done then we that. can broadcast it for you like, our, as a bonus. Um, nice. But, uh, but yeah, he uh, – um, but anyway, so, yeah, we were interviewing Perseus at the Blue Note, and we did it at the end. But like what we learned was was that maybe you should do the interviews before mm. the show starts because uh, because like at the end of that one they were closing shop and they were like everybody's got to go and we were like crap we gotta we gotta cut mics we gotta go we gotta put our equipment <laughs> well away. and it's like as an artist like that's the that's that's the thing like in, in in from his point of view he was like we should do it before and my point of view I'm like as the artist I'm like I know how I am before a show like I'm a nervous wreck I would not want to be talking to people but ultimately it turns out. We should probably get them before because <laughs> things just we, we got we got too messed up. They got <laughs> they got they had a great ass night and uh, we but then, partied but then, our fucking balls. Off. Whenever we pulled Huck in, into our interview, I literally had to apologize to him afterward and told him, "Man, I was way too out of it to even be controlling any of that equipment." <laughs> but so they funny. gave me the whole night. I was worried about how the equipment would run. Everything was a failure that night. Whenever it came to the equipment, all because. I was too high. Hey, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it all fell because like because we didn't have good internet. It all fell I learned a lot of lessons that night. Like, it, was we it was good. It was good. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Hey, hey now hard. we do. So you know. But oh, dude, so fun, so fun. <laughs> it was I, a blast. And shout out to the, all those guys. We're gonna have them on the show, and we're gonna do it in a more controlled uh, environment. But <laughs> yeah, oh, all those guys. Were, it was just so fun. They're awesome. I love um, the live shows. They they go hard. And yeah, and Cage. What the fuck, man? That dude, like, there's guitar players you see that you're like, all right, that guy's a guitar player. He's a good guitar player. Mm-hmm. And then you see someone that's like, oh, that motherfucker is a star, mm-hmm. and he's the latter. Like that dude, like, I just you just want to watch him, yeah. even if he's not playing the guitar. Like he has a look. He all the eyeballs go to him. So. We went to that. They had at that studio in Dell City, and he yeah. performed, and it was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, what was that? What was that studio called? It's like an awesome studio. It used to be the old Dill City, Dill City uh, Theater, uh, over there off of Southeast Twenty Ninth Street. Um, and I'm blanking on the name of the studio, but it's an awesome studio. It's awesome. But he performed. Yeah, and he was like on the fucking balcony, like just going hard. I'm like this guy, he's fucking yeah. magnetic. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they. One thing I we've put out on the show is like we would like to be more exposed to like what does Oklahoma hip hop have to offer, and we've we've got a couple of white boys that rap, and I'm like yeah, but I mean let's see what we really have to offer. So mm-hmm. I was so glad when they off when they invited us and we went out and seen it and they fucking crushed it. So yeah. absolutely shout out to Sativa Prophets, shout out to Carter Combs Fur Fest. If you guys want to go to Fur Fest out there, um, check out all the OU festivities, sponsors, marijuana, brewers, merch, you name it. You can get it. Uh, you can get there 15 bucks out the door, or you can go over to fansub.live slash e slash Fur Fest, and uh, I mean, that'll get you in the door, and it's just going to be a big party, really. So, um, guys, Lunar Division, thank you so much for being on, 
And uh, we will definitely have to post up and get you guys on the air again, man. Definitely. Thank you for having us. This is fun, actually. Yeah. This is awesome. Right. Hell <laughs> yeah. Fun. Jonathan, how can the people help us out, man? All right. Uh, the Local Earshot Podcast, we run on the value for value system. That is time, talent, and treasure. The first t- um, T is time. Uh, so when you listen to an episode or you share it with your friends and just tell them what we're doing, then uh, you know that just kind of throws more um, ears over to our show, and that's kind of our goal. So, uh, so that helps us out. And then um, if you are an artist or you work inside the industry of music, or if you're a venue owner, if you're a business owner, if you you know just want to get a shout out um, out to Oklahoma and, and just people in our community, then uh, hit me up at john at thelocalearshot.com or Brad on our Instagram page as Local Earshot. Um, And then as for Treasure, we are now taking sponsorships. If you are a business and you want to sponsor an episode, then you can hit me up at John at the Local Earshot or Brad on our Instagram page. Uh, And then um, if you want to donate to the podcast, you can go over to thelocalearshot.com. There's a tab that says Donate. If you click on that, then you can do our Cash App. You can do Ventmo. uh, You can also do um, PayPal, Crypto. uh, We pretty much take all. We will take your money. Um, And so, yeah, just take – if you get value out of the show, then you just kind of wrap up a nice little amount of money. That you feel that you got out of the episode, and you just give that right back to us. If you give us, um, like, uh, and I have it listed on the site, but if you uh, if you give twenty dollars or more, that makes you an LA rocker. Um, and if you give a um, hundred dollars or more um, in a, any given time, that makes you an LE rock star um, status, and that's over any period of time. And that will give you special privileges at the show, possibly even free entry and tickets. So, um, you know, depending on what deals we work out with the artists. So, um, thank you for listening. We love y'all. We'll see y'all. Bye-bye. We will honor.